Star Wars, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Want to know what me and Kevin thought of it? Well, now you can find out. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl and become a $5 backer and you'll get access to the Phantom Menace episode of Cinema Swirl. Plus, all the previous episodes of Cinema Swirl. It's our show where we review bad movies. To find out more, head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl. Thank you to our patrons for your support. Right, let's get swirling. Cinema Swirl and 567, it's episode number 57. God damn it, I, even I'm disappointed with that one. There's too many numbers, we, they, they keep coming up. Well that's the thing, right? Because we've got a Cinema Swirl on the go. And yeah. the problem is, is that now we've got into double digits, it's mean that I've just had a fresh run of the single digits, which are now coming up again and will continue to come up again. No one explained this to me with the rhyming structure at the start. I think you fairly recently had an 11 there, and now yes. you've got a 7 here. We've had several previous 7s. Oh, and, should yeah. I have done 9, 10, 11? It's episode 57, because <laughs> then we're not using the same one. I mean, I'll give you like a, a clean take of that and I can... <laughs> Yeah, no, do that, do that, because then what we can do then, Sam, is that when it comes to episode number 5011, I can use 567 yeah, again yeah, then, yeah. right? So that's all right, like, that's you know. Fact. Oh, sorry, what do you call 61? Normies? What's wrong? <clears throat> like, don't you see that? Okay, okay, all right. 9, 10, 11, it's episode number 57, and it's me, your old pal, Cowboy <laughs> Kevin, settling up through the long grassy knolls of Hollywood, California, in the United States of the films, that is, with my OTP, Sam Chaplin. Hello! How you uh, doing? Sa- Sam, I'm doing well. Good. As memory last serves, you've not seen all the films, including any of the films today, with our star du jour, Julia mm. Roberts. Yes. Now, we put a vote up on facebook.com forward slash cinema swirl to pick between three Julia Roberts films. Those films were Pretty Woman. Uh, Notting Hill which I really wanted to do, yeah. and I wanted to do so much that I reckon we can always do a... Uh, Hugh Grant. <laughs> a Hugh Grant or a Richard Curtis, you yeah. know. Ooh, Curtis Pies. <laughs> when we do one of those swirls later on, we can, mm. we can re-include that. A Runaway Favourite. And I was going to put in Runaway Bride to see if that would be a Runaway Favourite, but Pretty Woman was not just a Pretty Woman, but also a Runaway favorite yeah we had erin brokovich as well in there because she won an oscar for that yes. so it only seemed right so what what i will say is that the comment section on the vote was uh, mixed i mixed. would say that it was mixed are you talking about did you take the temperature sam or did you lick your <laughs> finger and see which way the wind was blowing because... i licked my finger i put it in the air and i was like hmm mixed because <clears throat> so the thing with the julia roberts thing is that she was well, she still is a very, very successful actor, and I would say female Sam, actor, p- p- female. First one we've done an act because we've done a lot of actor episodes. Yeah, and as rightly pointed out, we've not done anyone about any women, and I would argue that Julia Roberts is one of, if not the, like most A list of the A list. Yeah, I mean, from at least this period where we often find ourselves, the eighties and nineties and the two thousands. I think in the nineties she was the biggest, you know, making the most profit of any actress. I've said it. In that period, I think that was like a big, big whole thing. She was like the main, main one, big well, ticket. Well, 
Seller. On, on, our Wiki, on, our, on our Wikipedia page, Sam, yeah. the dollar figures are within the first paragraph, and there, right, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of them. And I'm talking dollar figures like $2.8 billion. I'm talking dollar figures like $464 million, which is less than the first one, but still very big. Yeah, and she won an Oscar for Erin Brockovich, so critically acclaimed, commercially successful. Oh, These, yeah. now, <laughs> oh what's it, the comment section? So, no, okay. I will play devil's avocado here. I th- a lot of the comments were simply, I don't like any of these films. These are fair. bad films, right? F- fair. Fine. Okay. But what I will say is that the remit of Cinema Swirl, and I think Cinema Swill has maybe muddied the waters here, Ooh. is that we're not looking for the best films. No. We're looking for the biggest films. All we're, right? we're good for, yeah. And sometimes that encompasses nodes of cult films. Yeah. Sometimes that encompasses nodes of fucking hardcore box office receipts stacked high in Julia Roberts' big fucking garage, yeah? Sometimes we've strayed from that formula, sure. But I don't think anyone can argue that these three films were not big films and that they're not significant films. Regardless of whether you think they're good or bad, they're pretty big deals, I would say. From what I understand about them, and I know nothing because I'm an idiot, but just from the titles alone, I know that these are big deals. I think there is a general feeling with, mm. with certain sections of the audience where sure. some folks don't like romantic comedies mm-hmm. and therefore they're very averse to the very nature of, of it being reviewed or anything like that. Sure. We had similar flack where we went with Mean Girls, which isn't even a romantic comedy. That's just a comedy that yeah. happened to feature girls in it. Uh. But, like, you know... It'll be fine. We'll all get through it together. All I'll say this, right, if you're really fucking angry, is imagine being a grown man and hating romantic comedies. Well, some, like, p- some people really don't like him. Yeah, but, like, calm down. It's just a fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And don't worry, two bloody blokes are going to have a big laugh about it, all right? So everything's going to be okay. Well, I'll open a can of, <laughs> of the footy, right? <laughs> And we'll talk about the big lager that was on last night. And we'll all just close our eyes and and think of an idealised Britain or Ireland, whichever one you want, okay? Yeah, one of those two. So th- so we're going with Pretty Woman. I, and if you were met, no, no, some of the Americans were thinking about an idealised America. No. No, <laughs> no, that's not on offer here. Yeah. We do not know what to give you. <laughs> <laughs> pretty Woman won pretty considerable landslide victory for Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman, more yeah. like pretty easy win for Julia Roberts' Pretty Woman. I would say so, yes. So that's what we're going with. Sam, before we get into our mailings and our comings and goings, mm. have you seen Julia Roberts in anything? What do you know of this Hollywood A-lister from Planet Blockbuster. I don't think I know that much about Julia Roberts, other than big name. Was she in one of the Oceans's? She was. She was in a few of the Oceans's. What, is, I, I, is she I, the I, one who's in one of the Oceans films, and part of the plot is that she looks like Julia Roberts? No. Maybe. I'm sure there was some like meta thing where she got away with something or she managed to blag her way into something because her character played by Julia Roberts looks like famous actor Julia Roberts in the thing and it was like whoa what's going on here this is very confusing I've seen a Lotions 11 like once <laughs> Lotions and 11, I, <laughs> I think I may have fallen asleep during it okay so I may have just drifted out and just been like well yeah duh it's Julia Roberts ding dongs what do you think I sort of think I've watched Lotions 11 I think everyone has yeah. right yeah we've all seen it we're not necessarily watched it but we've seen it 
<laughs> it's all been on somewhere at some point yeah. in time. So have you seen her in anything other than Ocean's Eleven then, or Ocean's Thirteen, or Ocean's Twelve, or any of the great Ocean's movies? Nothing immediately springs to mind. I probably have seen her in, in a few bits and bobs. But, hey, I hate romantic comedy, so I've probably not seen her in any of those. Am I right? we got a lot of romantic comedies here. I mean, we're talking yeah. Notting Hill. We're talking Runaway Bride. We're talking My Best Friend's Wedding. We're talking Everybody Says I Love You. We're talking something to talk about. We're talking about Tell Them Who You Are. We're talking about Closer. I wish we did a podcast called We're Talking Something to Talk About. <laughs> and, unfortunately, we're not talking the ant bully, but she only did her voice uh, in that, so that okay. doesn't count. So, Julia Roberts is kind of is an interesting one because uh, uh, genuinely an issue what we had with trying to put together one of these like oh let's pick like a female superstar like yeah. of like the other people we've picked but very rarely in Hollywood such is the way of the time period we're often in yeah these these women get leading roles that are not just romantic comedies so mm-hmm. in fairness we were going to end up doing some romantic comedies here folks yeah by nature of the bloody Hollywood am I right Sam what is the most romantic thing that you can think of in the world? The most romantic thing that could happen? And let's see then if Julia Roberts, through this performance, can match that in any way, shape or capacity. Okay, so picture this. You're at the Pizza Hut lunch buffet. Oh, come on now. Okay. Excuse me. You've had one too many slices. Sorry, Sam. I d- you, you didn't tell me that you're going to switch Richard Gears on me here now. <laughs> Come on. We're in fifth Richard Gear now. Mm. And you go up to the ice cream machine. You know, the kind of soft serve ice cream machine. You can put any of your toppings on there. Oh, is that the one that goes... Yeah, the... One. Yeah, go there. Yeah, I like you that. Pull, you pull the thing down, but it malfunctions. Oh! And the, the ice cream, just the kind of liquid cream, just splatters out and it goes right down your trousers. <laughs> Sam, have you have you been on the clips for sale again? Because we're, we're getting very specific here now. And then Julia Roberts walks up and goes, you've ruined your trousers, what have you done? As you turn around, you make eye contact with, with someone like Julia Roberts and you're you're trying to kind of bumble your way out of it. No, it's not what... Yeah, terrible. She's doing a promotional video for Pizza Hut. She's not there dining. So, were you telling me that Pizza Hut pivoted from Paddy McGuinness to Julia Roberts <laughs> in your in your scenario? No. I mean, I'm just thinking about that boardroom meeting, right? Like, I don't know for a fact that Paddy McGuinness has advertised Pizza Hut. But the thing is, if you talk about advertising anything and you just say Paddy McGuinness did it, it is a 90% certainty that he will have advertised it at some point in his life. No, I'm pretty sure he... I'm sure he has, yeah. No, because I'm pretty sure he headed up the Merry Christmas campaign, which was to get office (coughs) parties to have their Christmas (coughs) do at Pizza Hut. And Christmas, yeah? He's such a good ambassador for so many brands, is Paddy McGuinness. Now, you said, what's the most romantic thing you can imagine? And I just went through some kind of embarrassing incident. And that tells you a lot about my brain. um, Well, no, I mean, keeping on the Paddy McGuinness thing, I think, like, the most romantic thing, I mean, like, let's go back to the Paddy McGuinness well, because he did an ad for Greg's, didn't he? The sausage roll. Yeah. And it was, it cut to, oh, it's on a Misty Moor. Like, what's happened here on this Misty Moor? And there's a car there, and it's kind of like of action going on a little back mm. and forth a little how's your father you think oh he's gonna put his hand on it like in into titanic and then he go in and he's got a sausage roll and he's like oh, the things i'm gonna do to you <laughs> and then now this is where the memory lapses he either eats it yeah or he fucks the sausage roll and i can't remember which one it is that he does 
But one of those is the most romantic thing you, you can pick. I also remember a Paddy McGuinness advert for cream eggs, where it looked like he was going to fuck the cream egg. Are you like serious? Giving flowers to a cream egg, or like the cream egg was on like a sexy pillow, and he was like lying next to it. All right, because I'm just saying, I only saw the print media version of the campaign mm. for Christmas. For Pizza Hut. So I don't know if he wanted to fuck a pizza in that one. Like, if, the, if there was a video version where it's like, book your office party here now. Come here, you. You know? Really uh, stuffing that. No, I'm not. No, Sam. I'm no, sorry, no, no. No, Sam. It's a different podcast now. No. <laughs> But Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts, I don't think I've seen her in much other stuff. If I have, I can't remember it. But you, you're a fan of the of the US office, aren't you? Yes. You know? So, I mean, there's she very... Not- the big, big reference to Pretty Woman. One of my fave goofs in the US office involves Pretty Woman. Maybe I've not understood that goof and I've just watched and They literally say, it. the movie Beautiful Woman is about <laughs> this and in it this scene happens and we recreate it. But how late on in the office is this? I think Michael's still there, okay. as far All as right. I know. Okay, so you don't know the bit from the US office referencing Pretty Woman. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Okay, so... If you were to tell me anything you know about the plot of this movie, 1990, and to the bedrock of Americana this is, this, this is like a fucking cultural phenomenon, this this thing, because, like, Julia Roberts, this is her first big movie, and this was okay. still, by and large, the one she's known most for. So what do you yeah. know about Pretty Woman? All right, I think it has got the song in it. What song is that, Sam? It's the song Pretty Woman, but I think Roy Orbison, maybe? Which goes a little something like this. Pretty woman, walking down the street. Pretty woman, it's a pretty street. Pretty woman, <laughs> the woman's pretty. She's on the street. She likes to walk down pretty. Do 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 Pretty woman, walking down the street. Pretty woman, salted and cured meat. Pretty woman. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the second verse where they start talking about charcuterie <laughs> that that song predates the film that's not like a tie-in song to the film and you can tell because roy orbson he's actually a ghost in that song isn't he yeah. pretty woman used to walk around this street and of course i like with songs like that little jaunty hollywood numbers that you can just stream them together can't you pretty woman is a lady <laughs> whoa, 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 she's a lady <laughs> so there's that song i think Julia Roberts' character is, I believe, a sex worker in this. Oh, I think we say the titular pretty woman. I I also think she's the titular pretty woman. I think... The pretty woman herself. She is a sex worker. Yeah. If I've got that wrong, then ugh. But I think that's the case. Why do you think that? Or what? what, have you just heard heard that used? Like, where would you have... There's a lot of kind of cultural osmosis with me. There is, yeah. If I hear some reference to pretty woman and... You know, that kind of stuff. It's all kind of lodged in there somewhere from other cultural things. There's also, I think, a scene with a shoe, perhaps? A shoe? A shoe? A pair of shoes? And is she refused the shoes? Like, you can't have these. They're not for you. Yeah. And she's like, I'm the titular pretty woman. These are, I can have these shoes. And then she walks down the street in the shoes and the song plays. Sam, here's a question, because you said yeah. that, you, oh, you cultural osmosis and people might make reference to it. Mm. Say a man and a woman come into a, a dinner dance now, and you've got your mashed potato, you've got your topside of beef, 
and it's beef to the heels of a Mullingar heifer, so it's very good stuff indeed. Yeah. And then your friend leans over to you and he wipes his mouth and he says, bit of a pretty woman situation going on over there now, if you know what I mean. Yeah. What would that, would you think that's a bad thing? Is that a good thing? Bit of a pretty woman situation going on over there. To what, what's going on over there? Oh, it's a bit, bit pretty woman, if you know what I'm saying. What, that there's a pretty woman over there? And I just... <laughs> no, and, and that they're clear that they're making reference to the movie and not just like, you see that over there? That's what we call a pretty woman situation. It's when a pretty woman <laughs> three o'clock, lights right? up the room. Yeah. A pretty woman situation in a in a restaurant. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a restaurant. Uh, it could be in the discotheque where you're ding-dong disco dancing. I, uh, I don't know. Is it a bad thing? Sounds bad. Like, is this movie a happy movie? Or is this movie about, like, kind of... Is it, is it going to be, a, like, look at the sad side of being a sex worker, if that's what you think it is? I'm sure it all works out okay in the end for the pretty woman and Richard Gere, who I also don't know from anything, really. So um, are you expecting a yay, or is it like kind of a, oh, it's an ironic title, Pretty Woman, and it's actually kind of a dark story or something like that? Uh, or do you not know? I don't know. I didn't I didn't assume it would be sad. Okay. I, I thought there'd be, you know, a classic narrative dip here and there, where it's like, oh, maybe I'm not such a pretty woman. And then at the end, she's <laughs> like, ah, actually, I am a pretty woman. Look at these shoes. Look at me walking down the street. Or she's like, I don't need the shoes. I'm better than the sh- I'm focusing on the shoes. You are focusing, focusing on, on the, the shoes. shoes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. It's like that song, The Christmas Shoes. Just shut up about it for this a second This film is now. called Pretty Shoes, isn't it? That's the- it is, yes. <laughs> the film. Yeah, okay. Yes, it's, this, it's the prequel to Kinky Boots, Pretty <laughs> Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we okay. done upgraded it all. Yeah? What's the matter? Like- right. So... Other than what I've touched on there, I don't really know what happens here. Do you know anything about Richard Gere? Mm. Seen him in anything? No. Heard his voice? Seen his his soft face? I think I sort of know what he looks like, but I don't know much of him. He kind of blends in a bit, doesn't he, with the kind of gentleman of that age. An an older actor. An older actor who is probably still playing the oldish actor in his 40s and yeah. has eked a career out of that for like 30 years mm. I, don't mind, I don't mind Richard Gere I, I know nothing about him He. I just know that he hates China I don't know anything else what? so like uh, what <laughs> there's always fucking something with these these blokes isn't there he does he, uh, all the stuff on, on Google when I was searching about him earlier it's just because like anytime we're coming up with a movie with an actor we're not doing I'll just be like I'll search him just dry and just see what comes up Yeah. and all the stuff for Richard Gere is like China. I'm boycotted from Hollywood because I, I hate China China, I'm sticking it to the man, like. Wow. I mean, okay, Richard. I, I, d- I don't know. I don't understand what's happening there. But now I know that as well. So I, kn- I know sort of what he looks like and that he doesn't like China. He just didn't like China. <laughs> but surprisingly, the movie's still done very well in China, Pretty Woman. It's, mm. a, it's a global smash. Well, there we go. And why don't we segue and globally smash open the mailbag? Oh, it's getting in there, smashing it open. Smash. It's solidified over the winter. It's frozen over, so it's just smash it up. Oh, no, all of your letters have got freezer burn. We can't read out your Twitter handles. Sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry, uh, guys. Welcome to the mailbag. Uh, yeah. Thank you for your questions, queries, comments, and other stuff. To the socials and to cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. Oldest ride, longest line. Yes. Our first question comes into that very same email address. Didn't I tell you now? Yeah? 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 Um, 
This first question comes into that email address. It's from Sam from Wigan, who asks... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. Sam, Sam, you didn't just like, go to Wigan and send this, did you? Because like, <laughs> we've agreed that there's going to be a purity with this mailbag. We're not going to paper it. No. However, the question is for me. Question for Sam. So you can see why this one stuck out to me. Of all your accomplishments, which ones? <laughs> <laughs> Question for Sam. Number one, why are you such a great guy? Number two, um, I recently went to the cinema with my partner and had the pleasure of having the picture all to ourselves. So the cinema, Mm. the screen, all to themselves. That's great, by the way. This posed a more philosophical discussion between us during the beginning of the movie. If there's a screening with no one in it, does the film still play? We are hoping Sam can shine any light on this, keep up the great work. Now, the reason why he's saying I can shine some light on this, for maybe listeners who haven't heard the episodes where I talk about how I used to work at a cinema, is that I used to work at a cinema. Yes, so we've got VIP access. We get to go behind the scenes and see where the Oscars get made. So you might think that if a film doesn't sell any tickets, but is still scheduled... It might still just run anyway. So I've two theories on this. Yeah, and I'm. I'm. I'm not saying that. I I'm, can confirm. My, at well, least yeah, in my case, I'm going to yeah. pitch these to you, the expert here. Sure. Theory one is that they will give it like five or ten minutes into the actual screening, and then they'll shut it down. And theory number two is that it's so much of a like it costs so much energy, or is such a rigmarole mm. to actually start the thing up. That it's just as efficient to actually just let it run the whole time than to... Because sh- I know some of them cameras are big. If it's an old, you know, one of them old projectory types, I should say, not a camera. Mm. Maybe maybe it, like, it's easier just to let it run than to have to turn it down. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Load it back up, shovel more. To wind down the it. machine takes too much effort. You may as well just yeah. leave it going. Like, if, if the washing machine was on, Sam, and I realised I'd accidentally not put the whole load in, I'd probably let it complete its cycle as opposed to stopping it, taking out all the wet clothes and putting them in with dry clothes, you know? That might be uh, less energy efficient. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what I will say is that your first theory is mostly correct. In so much as I have never encountered a situation where no one has turned up to a screening apart from the latest possible screening of a film. All right, late at night. And obviously as well, right, if you're a projectionist and it's like, Mm. right, it's the half-eleven screening... Am I putting on Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King? Well, this is or, the am, I, or am I going home? Like? <laughs> yeah. So, I have been in a, a very hard place before where I have been working on the box office selling tickets, and there was a film that will be showing at, say, half 12 at night, finishing at like two in the morning or some Whoa. shit. And if that doesn't sell any tickets, everything gets wound down early, and we all get to go home early. That's official. That's not like, well, you know. So, this is like not me, but like some Managers and some projectionist people and all that. Well, I say projectionist. A lot of it is automated. That's another thing. Ah. Um, there's not necessarily someone in there turning on things. There's someone who will like maintain it and make sure everything's ticking over. But it's all kind of run, you know, on on schedule. Movies showing themselves. Think yeah. about that. So I, I've been in a situation where several managers have said to me, 
we hope that you don't sell tickets for this film because we want to go home early. So are they are they expecting you to like do like the kind of the cold sell then if someone comes up you're like, Oh, you don't wanna see this, it's got orcs in it, oh it's a whole thing with a ring. Because we had to put on a showing I say put on a showing, let a showing continue for one person who showed up like five minutes before the film was scheduled to start. Oh uh, and just and just came in and I watched it. and that, you know, set everything back by ages. But I've also been in situations where it hasn't sold and was like, yeah, we get to go home. So I think if no one's in there, it doesn't get shown because to How's keep the lights that? on and the electricity, what? How's about that? I never yeah. would have thought. They said, "How does it know that? How does the, oh. the automated machine know that? How does it figure it out?" Someone goes in and just goes, "No, don't, don't do that one for now." But I think your your theory about well, you'd need like five or ten minutes of the film to start. But I don't think that happened for the later ones. I think it was just like no one's come in. Let's wind this down. Oh. And of course, you're only speaking about one chain this is of one cinemas. Cinema. This could, there could be different policies. And I, and I maintain in like a cinema where there was like a classic projector or something like mm. that, it would be a whole other damn I system. I love the idea of a film screening where there's no one there and that it just plays and... It's like a that is really interesting and philosophical in a way that like it is like I you mean, could show a film to no on one. Own. Yeah. yeah, So thank you for that question, Sam from Wigan. And Sam from Wigan, thank you for the haunting image of empty, sad with no movie one there. theater, with no one there. Also, it is really nice when it's just you and someone else, or you know, just a small group of people in a in a screening. I don't know, Sam. You and someone else. How about it's just you, Jack, and Jill, and you're there <laughs> having a good time in the movie house? All right. Our next question comes in on Facebook from Mike who. Asks, will Kevin get angry because I've asked this question on the socials rather than using cinemasworld at gmail.com brackets that cinemasworld at gmail.com? That's a question presumably for you, Kevin. Well, no, I'm not because you've actually gotten like two slight plugs in there for the mailbank. Yep. Which, so, I, that's gorilla. You just become a gorilla marketer and you didn't even know. So, how about that? And that was Mike's whole question. So, thank you for that, Mike. Next question from Alana, who asks uh, Now, I think we've touched on this question before, but I just wanted to read Alana's story. So, her, her question is Have you ever chosen the movie to see on a date and have it backfire on you? Woo! I think we've maybe talked about dodgy dates. I don't have any personal anecdotes, but Alana says that when she was 14, a cousin's friend asked me to the movies. I thought he was cute, so I went. Instead of seeing Double Jeopardy, like I was hoping, we went with his choice, which was Stigmata. Ah! <laughs> it was horrifically scary for me, and as a result, I never interacted with him again. <laughs> so, Yikes! Have you had a situation like that, where the, the movie choices uh, maybe goes to someone else and it's so bad that it... Or just any kind of bad movie dates at the cinema? I don't know if I have. I mean, like, when me and Joe, one of our very first dates, we mm. went to see the Postman Pat movie in the cinema... And it, but like sure. we both knew it was going to be a disaster, and it was yeah. great. It was beautiful. It was like going to watch the Hindenburg crash. Mm. I mean, I know there was other times where, like early, like in dates, right? I think Joe and I went to see Rise of Planet of the Apes, and like she hadn't seen any of the Planet of the Apes okay. stuff, and it was like all these apes on horseback going, "We must defeat the humans," and she was just like. <laughs> there's monkeys here and everyone's like shh take these monkeys seriously please but I mean I'll never compete with my dad who took my mum to see Alien on his first day yes. like, fucking idiots <laughs> like just think about that anytime I go back and listen to that Alien episode I think how close this podcast not existing because me not being born is almost a dead cert like what a fucking turn off that movie is alright thank you a lot for that question next question from Liam this is a, a fun question what TV shows are you both into 
or have loved. I know Kevin likes Oz, but not sure what shows Sam likes. So I'm going to just go through some shows here. I mean, there's obvious ones that we, we always... I mean, Sopranos is an obvious one for here, right? Yeah. Lost. You ever heard of it? A little Lost. thing called Lost. Little ABC television series called Lost. And I, I like the second to last episode before the finale. It was like a special cast reunion. And they called it A Little Thing Called Lost. <laughs> but Damon Lindelof, one of the showrunners of Lost went on to be the showrunner and creator of, or co-creator, of The Leftovers, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend. The Leftovers is very good. Really? Uh, an HBO show about, like, mm. I think 5% of the population just disappearing. That's a Philip K. Dick concept right out of the jar there, is what that is. Yeah. That's amazing. I and love it's that. handled brilliantly. And it, like, the ending of that is one of my favourite endings of any TV show ever, which just shows that Damon has learnt from Lost ending weirdly and everyone be like what the fuck did you do damon so the leftover is very good your succession you're we uh, both like succession yeah yes you can't make a (laughs) can't make a tomlet without without breaking a few few gregs i think about that at least twice a day every day since i've seen it (laughs) yes succession i i think we would both just say just just watch it just it's It's great it's really good oh and nirvana the band the show oh that's a a shared love plug that enough Watch Nirvana the Band the Show. And you know what I love most about Nirvana the Band the Show? Mm. And I know it's quite an obscure show to rave about, but I feel it is a show that is totally your sense of humour that you could not have watched without this podcast. No, no. There are, uh, there are uh, a whole abundance Sizable of chunks. movie references all over the shop that I now get because I've been doing this podcast. So I, I came to it at the right time. It existed at the perfect time for me. So if you like, you know, you kind of almost spaced like... TV references, but really lovingly crafted, and also just a really silly uh, sitcom. High concept, yeah, kind of, but film documentary style with some reality blended. It's just, it's, it's genius. Also, Instant Hotel on Netflix. If you want some trash TV, it's like Four in a Bed, but in Australia and super dramatic. And Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen is the, one of the judges. And Richard Osman's House of Games on BBC is <laughs> my new favourite quiz. And also for me, anything involving Greg Wallace, Eat Well for yeah. Less, mm-hmm. Inside the Factory, MasterChef Professionals, MasterChef, Celebrity MasterChef, Junior MasterChef. Which is your favourite MasterChef? If you could only have one of the various MasterChef offshoots, including regular vanilla MasterChef, which yeah. would you choose? Uh, unquestionably MasterChef professionals. Okay. You've, you've got people who are meant to, like meant to be the best at what they do, mm. being put in really high pressure, very fair situations where they're expected to either excel or not, and it's great, because you can go and watch it and then be like, I bet I've been at a restaurant where someone like that has been not very good at cooking. <laughs> You yeah. know, and that's always a good feeling. Mm. Deadwood, obvious ones, you know, Deadwoods, The mm. Wire, uh, 60s Batman, the original Twilight Zone, uh, the Batman animated series, Nathan Barley. I mean, ran better call Saul, better than Breaking Bad, also, it should be known as. I'm saying it. Come it, on, fight me, yeah? It's very good. It's better, is what it's it is. It's very good, yeah. You know, that's why it was <laughs> Breaking Bad has got, it's, it's actually bad, is actually what it is. And. <laughs> better call Saul, isn't it like you know <laughs> it's be- right yeah I, I get it now so thank you for that question liam uh, we could go on about that all day finally i just want to mention that jeff maxfield sent in some absolutely fantastic fan art uh, <gasps> to us which i know Ex- we said don't do it excuse me Ex- i know excuse me That's bad jeff don't jeff what have you done Oh, oh, no, and look at it there now right on the fridge uh, sam can you uh give me a hard copy of that 
Let's see if I can get this up. All right, enhance main screen. So Jeff has drawn my. Look, it's a man. It's a man story, but with an actual ape from Planet of the Apes pointing at me. Um, That's from the Planet of the Apes episode, I'm assuming. Yes, which is is fabulous. Um, oh my so, god, that's so funny! Don't send, don't send us any no, fan art. Stop don't that! Do it. Oh but, my god! But thank you, Jeff. Look uh, at it there, right there on the fridge. Unbelievable! Oh my god! But that will probably be up on the socials uh, for you to have a look at because it is wonderful. But it don't, but don't do it. Don't be encouraged by that to send any more stuff. All right. It's wonderful, but is it pretty? Because we're going to go watch Pretty Woman now. <laughs> like that, huh? You hear that in the background. You hear the... the, 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 the it's building up now, isn't it? The spirit of Roy Orbison is rising from the dead. When you did your... It, it's wonderful, but is it pretty? It, you, would, it, you were genuinely looking around for other people to be like... Ah. <laughs> pretty Woman, walking down the street. I mean, it'd be a shame if she didn't walk down the street at some point in this film. Do you think you're going to have a good time? I think so. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You've, you've been on pretty much a hot streak of movies you've enjoyed recently, yeah. right? Yeah. So it'd yeah. be a shame for this to drag the average down. Now, the only thing I think is that this could be a movie from the time period of mm. well-meaning for 1990, but mm. may <laughs> age badly. And I, I've not seen this since I was, like, fucking 14 or whatever. So this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> we might have some things to say. We might not. Who knows? But we'll have things to say, obviously, like just in general. <laughs> Will we have things to say? Only one way to find out. Let's go do a cinema swirl. back we're back here with some pretty woman action we just watched julia roberts and richard gear have chemistry like a chemistry classroom in a school that has got a special chemistry division sam initial gut reaction to the romantic 90s romp come on england we can score a goal come on england (laughs) (laughs) oh look it's skulls come on england (laughs) we're playing football we're kicking balls (laughs) We're gonna get a goal past you. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, because earlier in the day, I was walking around the house and I was like, hmm, could I do a footy chant? I went, England, scoring all the goals, England. (laughs) Put on Tommy Knowles, but Tommy Knowles is already already yeah. even put on, hasn't he? I've snuck in Paul Skulls. Skulls instead, because Tommy Knowles, okay. obviously, the, the, the much beloved defender, was, was put in <laughs> in the Nightmare Before Christmas episode. Yeah. So Skulls is a different, unique character. Mm-hmm. But your real question was, what did I think of the film? Initial gut reaction, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like when I get the medium of sounds as opposed to the medium of songs yeah. for your initial gut reaction, but... Yeah. Yeah. Right, can we just get this bit right out of the way? Sure. Right at the start. Mm-hmm. Because I do think in the pre-swirl, I was somewhat a little bit hesitant about the movie, thinking that it may have gotten a touch of that old breakfast club syndrome that I was telling you about. In yeah. That, something that seems a bit kind of cutting edge and cool in the, the late 80s or early 90s, even if it's in earnest and means well, can come off 
very, very badly in the, the modern times. Sure. And I, and I will say there are a couple of very notable exceptions. Yeah. But generally speaking, if you go into this with a general sense of naivety and sentiment, particularly about sex work and whatnot, yeah. it's, it's a bit all, it's all right, isn't it? It's, it's not a, like... Did you say it's a bit of all right? It's a bit all right, isn't it? <laughs> hey. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I didn't come, come away from this thinking, oh, Jesus, that's aged terribly. I mean, think about this, right? You know, yeah. big, that was a very, ironically, a big example that was yeah. of this exact thing. And that's something that was fine then, just seemed really weird now mm. and i just figured alarm bells are ringing because julia roberts does play a prostitute in this mm-hmm. and hollywood has not been known to have the most open-minded interpretation of that job no however however even if this is more open-minded this might be more open-minded to include incredibly naive and she's an mm. exception and everyone else is a drug addict except julia roberts i imagine for the time this was reasonably not progressive but like okay-ish. I mean, it was changing it up a bit. Like, this this yeah. was definitely risque in an italics font, you mm. know, for the Sunday magazine at the time. But I think, generally speaking, it's not aged as badly as some of the other kind of, particularly the romantic comedies of the past swirls. Not quite as badly as we might have thought, although I'm sure there's stuff that maybe, through our viewpoint, we might have missed out on and not understood how bad it was, but you know. That, that's true, and obviously we're, we're only coming from more credibly ignorant viewpoints mm-hmm. which is why i initially before watching the movie before sitting down i googled has pretty woman aged well <laughs> right and i see what google got, thought so google thought mm. see what some of the slideshow news thought of it and i went through three different ones and all three of them nine of the top 10 things were all like those shoulder pads sweethearts <laughs> <laughs> okay that that's not held up well the wig in the first scene that's not held up so right. generally speaking it doesn't seem that people have not like reappraised pretty woman and put it off its high shelf of lovely romantic comedy it seems to still enjoy that uh, reputation yeah I, th- I think so again i'm not involved in you know the the world of this film i don't know much about it i didn't know much going in but i haven't heard any kind of like fuck this shit whereas some of the films we've picked for swirls and swirls there has occasionally been a little bit of oh boy Ugh, you don't want to be doing this one because there's some stuff's going to come up yeah like, not so much with this no i, I just no. i think there was just a natural hesitation given the subject matter yeah. I I thought we just mentioned that right at the offset. Hey, how about the lovely big font at the start of this movie? Oh, it's a big font. Woo! God. That font is the equivalent of a bay window, Sam, is what that is. (laughs) It's a a big old font. You know what else is in this? It's only bloody George Costanza off of Seinfeld. (laughs) He's there being uh, wonderfully insufferable in his own way. Hang on a second. I thought you were a positively an anti-Seinhead. Oh, I am. Yeah. And this is before he even find out he dated a child as well, folks. <laughs> that in uh, not me. You know <laughs> wait. What? No, no. Well, I'm saying that you didn't like him before oh, you knew. I still don't know that. Oh, you only found out. I thought you were saying Sam is doesn't like Seinfeld, <laughs> and this is before you guys find out that he dated a child. I'm like, Whoa! <laughs> no. No. 
No. Yeah. Okay. Just so we're very crystal clear. No. Oh, Jerry, it, Jerry Seinfeld. I thought you meant um, Costanza. No, no, no. no Jerry no, Seinfeld, the, I am well aware. That the, oh, yeah, the implication yeah. is okay. not that neither Sam, nor Jason Alexander, nor have, George Costanza, have, nor the, 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 the fictionalized version of Jerry Seinfeld from Seinfeld, hmm. none of them dated a child. But Jerry Seinfeld. But Jerry did date did, someone underage. He yes. did. That is established fact. I don't think anyone's even denying that. However, this is Jason Alexander, who is not Seinfeld. He was in Seinfeld, the television show. Exactly. He was just in a show with someone who happened to do a racist thing and someone who happened to date a child. And mm. and the amazing Julie Louis-Dreyfus, who he'd yeah. seen, of course, in uh, National Lampoons. So, you know, a mixed bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they're at like a swanky kind of business party type thing. Oh, yeah. It's catered. And Richard Gere, he's on the phone. He sounds like he has a bad relationship with his girlfriend. I believe. Uh, it was either ex-girlfriend yeah. or ex-wife who's still having to do the kind of the social commitments. And she's like, you can't have me at your beckoned call. And mm. I always thought beckoned call would be a great name for like any sort of a business. Like, you know. Yeah, beckoned call. Yeah, beckoned yeah. someone who's got the surname call could you know, join up together as well. If you don't do it, Glenn Beck will. You know, so you really <laughs> need to get on that. Now, uh, Sam, I was wondering, between Richard Gere and Jason Alexander, which of these two gentlemen is wheeling and which one? are dealing. I would say that, well, Richard Gere has to borrow a, a sports car to wheel ah. down through Hollywood, and Jason Alexander is... De- well, he's kind of networking. He's like that kind of, you know, smarmy businessman trying to make sure everyone's okay and, you know, getting in with everyone but not really being sincere. He comes across as a jerk straight away. He's a bit greasy, isn't he? Yeah, whereas Richard Gere comes comes across as a jerk in just a kind of jerk way. He's just like a... Nah. Uh, Richard Gere can't help that, though, Sam. That's nah. just how he looks, isn't it? Like? Yeah. But he, he really... Well, Jason Alexander ironically grinds my gears, but Richard Gere just Jason's my Alexander's, you know. He, I'm just I, like, I understand ah, it. You know. yeah, 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 no, yeah, I get yeah. that. Mm. And of course, yeah, Richard Gere gets out with the souped-up hot rod, and Sam, that's what we call the art of the wheel. <laughs> and we get some great... Late 80s music to go along with this. I know this was released. Fucking hell, it's so full of life, this soundtrack. Chock-a-block full of 80s bangers. I mean, I know this was released in 1990, but it this feels... 80s this film this is like you know what 90s we're fine because we're standing on the shoulders of the giants Mm. of the feel-good romantic power ballads of the late 80s of which there are several you know what sam we don't get pretty woman until an hour into this movie i checked yeah (laughs) and i i didn't even mind i didn't mind because we had such a good time with the music beforehand bunch of bangers so he's got to go down to the hollywood boulevard right in his yeah. fast car. Well, he's borrowed a car off his mate. If films is like a beating heart, then Hollywood Boulevard, that's the fucking Vena Cava, mate, yeah? It yeah. takes the deoxygenated films. He's, <laughs> he's going there to, <laughs> to stay at this hotel to do some business meetings and stuff. Can we agree that Richard Gere has, ironically, one gear, and that gear is... Richard Gear and this mm. bit at the start of him struggling with the gearbox it's like come on Richard why don't you try to be angry oh, or yeah. sad or happy he's like no I can't I can only do this <laughs> one kind of bemused sophisticated I'm like your dad but I'll never tell you I'm proud I never, what are you I never twig that he's Richard Gear, but he can't 
do the gear shifting in this, which is quite funny. Yeah, they should have cast Richard Automatic in this <laughs> in that respect. Like, <laughs> I think it's important as well, and something that I had forgotten about with this movie, mm. is that even though it does give a very glossy, kind of glamorized, idealistic Hollywood fairy tale vibe to the whole prostitution business, yes. they do at the start do show you a lot of people like straight up with their, their drugs. There's drugs. Their, their cracks there's, and their cranks. There's dead bodies being photographed by tourists which i think was a nice little hollywood moment there and that's hank azaria isn't it yeah off of the simpsons just being an fbi guy being like oh god the tourists are photographing this dead body yeah i mean hollywood boulevard that general area that red light district i believe is and not hollywood i don't know if hollywood boulevard is in itself anyway that area is not shown in a flattering light. It's all very grim and grotty. I've heard of the bright lights of Hollywood, but, but the, the red, red lights, lights of Hollywood? <laughs> Our introduction to, to Julia Roberts' character is alarm clock going off, she's in bed, you see a, a bit of a nice bum, some, some posh knickers. And what I wrote down there is, there it is now. Yes, and there. she's a, a very attractive lady. And she's taken all the heads of the boyfriends off all of her pictures. Oh, I thought she, you meant like there was a secret subplot where she's a serial killer. And, and removes she, their heads. She's beheaded several men. That's no. a different movie. Mm. Well, I always wondered if it would be like a real power play if you broke up with someone and cut your own head off all the pictures and be oh. like, boom, you were fucking dating a headless man, you <laughs> fucking weirdo. <laughs> Joke's on you. And a li- nice little gag I enjoyed was uh, Richard Gere. He's trying to get to the boulevard. And he asks, like, hey, how do I get to Hollow Boulevard? And some old man is like, you're already here. That's Sylvester Stallone's house. Pointing to like some dump house. And he's like, Beverly Hills, that's where I was. <laughs> Julie Roberts' character Vivian and her friend I can't remember her friend's name they establish that they they don't want a pimp and they're very clear on we say who, we say when, we say how much. So they're independent workers here. I'm being very kind of cautious no, about no, what I you, you're, yeah. you're right, because they do, like, there's like, a little bit where they basically turn to the camera and they're like, we're not like the prostitutes, you think, because, number one, we don't have a pimp, and we mm. all set all these rules that we don't, you know, we don't do this, that, and the other. And also, as well, then Julia Roberts is like, subsection, unlike all of my peers within this subsection, I don't do drugs. Yes. You know? All the others are all like, kind of like, oh, I spent the rent money on some sort of a crank or no doubt and you know they're, they're, they're making out that they're an, an awful rabble that lot and the, the two of them they see good old big old plonker Richard Gere in his fancy sports car and think well, sorry <laughs> here we are I just love the idea of in England if someone used the word plonker to describe someone's dick <laughs> <laughs> they see Richard Gere's plonker he's, they he's say, well, look at that plonker I think plonker is the least sexy word in the universe possibly yeah, I yeah. think if you heard that in a sexy context, it would immediately take you out of the moment. They see him in that car and they think, well, this guy, you know, let's approach him. And her friend lets Julia Roberts say, no, you you go get this one, right? And so she goes over and he's just asking for directions. He's like, how do I get how do I get to this hotel? Where am I going? Uh-huh. And, and she's like, well, I can tell you, but, you, you know, $5. He's like, what? Whoa, what's, what's going on here? Like, well, the price has just gone up, mate. 
And I like this kind of thing. This is pre-Google Maps. You know, him being from New York, he'd never mm. really have to ask for directions or anything like that normally. So he's already a fish out of water in this situation. Absolutely. And it turns out, Sam, that Viv is not... Not only is she not like most prostitutes, she's not like most anything because she's a fucking straight-up piston freak. She's a car head, and she knows how to drive stick unlike Richard Gearbox. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, am I right? I do like as well that all the scenes at the start where she's out in the streets if you look in the background loads of random extras who walk by just go like Duh. and i, I thought that was very funny there's lots of staring yeah, yeah. going on that yes. you're very aware of mm. uh, so he finds out her rate and she's like it's a hundred dollars an hour and he's like a hundred dollars an hour that's pretty hard like my yeah. dick isn't and she's like yeah it isn't that was that was kind of weird the kind of reaching over grabbing the dick being like no but it's got potential is what she says there oh now that's how you accentuate the positives right yeah. there you know <laughs> not erect but you know i imagine maybe that would be good if it was Look, sam some of us like to view that the glass is half erect with water you know and some of us simply view the glass as having potential that's all you know a couple of things i made note of richard gear's first car was a limousine according to uh, richard gear's character here which is just very funny the idea that you your your car his car would be a limousine presumably chauffeur driven but i mean i imagine if you learned how to drive in a limo you'd be pretty sorted because that's a massive car like and if you can park yeah. a limo you could park a Citroen saxon like yeah, you know you a bus yeah you know, whatever. And, and also, she reels off a, a, a lovely QI-style fact. Did you know that your foot is as big as your arm from your elbow to your wrist? I was like, holy, that's blown my mind. Your foot is as big as your arm from, from your elbow to your wrist. So before your hand. Yeah. Yeah. So All the way to the elbow. Yeah. If I put, if I put my on, foot on there. there now. Hold on, oh, Kevin. No, so is. I'm putting my foot. Look, yeah. Sam, <laughs> whoa. The only reason, though, because right, you said that, and then I looked at my on. arm and I went, I've got a fucking massive foot, though. Like, I'm size 12. <laughs> you uh, you a big foot boy? I was going to try and get a, a photo of me doing it to put on the thing, but it's so gross that I don't actually want to put that on the internet. Oh, Sam, look, we'll never get fan art or wiki feet <laughs> entries at this race. This is ridiculous. But believe me, for listeners at home, my foot is as big as from my elbow to my wrist just that's a nice little fact if you take nothing else away from this film take that away it's an on point fact here mm. here's an on point 90s observation where they go up to the penthouse suite in the posh hotel full of poshos and yeah. he's like key cards i miss keys you know what i'm saying <laughs> i'm richard gilby <laughs> what's the deal with these keys Am i'm I right? just tr- i'm trying to give some personality because richard gear bless him yeah. He's a bit of a mumbler. He is a bit of a mumbler. He's got a very low kind of... And, you know, I will say as well, I would rarely call this this out, but this has happened to me like three or four times now on, on this particular service. Sure. But like, we, we watch movies from a variety of places. Yeah. I watch some on Netflix. I watch mm-hmm. some on Amazon. I watch some on Now TV. I watch some on physical media from the DVD shop. Yeah. And sometimes I watch some on the old Google because Google, I might do them little surveys and you get a little money for doing little surveys and oh. i use that money by doing enough surveys i can get the movie from right. cinema swirl that week for free very nice but they don't have subtitles on them uh. and they don't tell you that ahead of time yeah. and surely i just like subs because you know i like subs and dubs folks that's just me 
but a lot of people need them subs. What's going yeah. on? You, you need to be telling them that. That's bullshit. Rude. Uh, uh, speaking of rude, all the posh people in the fancy hotel are doing a lot of judging of Vivian here. Oh, hardcore judging. And so, she, but she's aware. She amps it up for comic effect. She likes to, you know, goof on these people and make fun of them by doing overtly like sexual. Oh me, what? Um, and I like prostitute. how she, in the nineties you could shop people being like, "Look, I'm not wearing tights," and it's like, "Oh <laughs> my." <laughs> Come send the alarm! <laughs> yes. They're in the penthouse, and she wants to get right down to business. Because that is her business. Literally, that is her business. And so she's getting out her kind of Rolodex of condoms here. And saying, yeah, the, the big gold one, which looks like it came with a special prize inside. That was an impressive thing. The gold circle coin, the condom of champions, the one and only, nothing is getting through this sucker. I mean, that's good to know. So yeah. what she's saying is, like, you can really... The rest of these... Not, mm, you know, yeah. I might get pregnant. Like, yeah. what's going on but there? this gold one is great. Why do you only carry one of the ones that's really good? What the frig? I mean, it looked solid. That <laughs> God, it looked like it wasn't going to move. I mean, it looked like it was going to go and get on with the business itself without any yeah. involvement from Richard yeah. Gere. Like, it looked very competent and capable in its own right. But uh, Richard Gere's character, Edward, doesn't want to do any banging just yet. He, he just he, wants he's to He's not chat. like most of these run-the-mill business boys. He's no. too mature and mysterious. Mm. And like that dad, you never really got to know, so... So uh, he's just, he's, he is a kind of, plays this aloof character. And I will say, right, with Richard Gere and, and Julia Roberts, they have an instant fucking popping chemistry. These yeah, two yeah, yeah. fucking sizzle. And that says a lot because I don't think Richard Gere's got a whole lot of range. And Julia mm. Roberts is fucking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in here. And I think the two of them pop it, well, off It each does other. work well. Yeah, I can see why this relationship, this kind of chemistry, resonated with viewers. And as well, it wasn't meant to be her originally. It was going to be Meg Ryan. Or also, Madonna was also attached oh, okay. to it. Yeah. And the original version of this movie was a whole other set of affairs altogether. It was going to be, have a really dark ending. It's going to be called $3,000. And Julia Roberts was, like, was not cast in it at this point. Right. But it was going to have this, like real kind of gritty side to it that she was going to be this like kind of home wrecking prostitute almost who like fucks mm. his life up and the end of the movie was apparently going to be him throwing the three thousand dollars at her from his car and she's like in the gutter and he drives off and it's meant to be a happy ending <gasps> and, the, and the credits roll three thousand dollars <laughs> Throw it on the street. Uh, that's all I owe to you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just that's good to know because, I mean, I think Disney actually are the ones who bought this in the end. And they're right. the ones who waved the saccharine magic that gave us the much less fucking shocking movie that we probably wouldn't be talking about if it was called $3,000. Yes. I want to draw your attention to a solid gag here. Yes, please. She thinks he's a lawyer. He asks, What makes you think I'm a lawyer? You've got that sharp, useless look about you. Which, oh. Oh, oh, lawyer jokes from the 90s. Yes, please. Nom, 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 nom. Eat them up. She's what most people in the pitch meeting would describe as a firecracker, I mm. imagine. Uh, yeah. Also, she's a straight-up glugger. She glugs that champagne. Doesn't care about the windy pops. Yeah, I mean, she's supposed to be having those strawberries to bring out the flavour of the champagne. Strawberries bring out the flavour of the champagne. But she's just like, this is nice, tasty champagne. These are nice, tasty strawberries. Love And stuff. he just kind of, like, sits and, like, mysteriously smiles to himself all the time like Richard Gere yeah. this is like he's been to the future and he knows what happens and he's just like happy to let this play out he's not making a move he's not being like 
Because not like he's, oh, I just want to chat with you. He's, like, doing work, and she's just watching movies and stuff. So it is kind of mysterious, and I guess that's half the charm. She's sitting around having snacks, watching telly, having fun. Yeah, she, she's watching that viral video of a woman falling in grapes. It's the Tuscan Raiders. And he's paid for the entire night because she was concerned about time and stuff. And he thinks he's caught her doing drugs, but she was just flossing. So that's kind of alleviated that fear. And at this point, he's yeah, he has sat there and he's D- looking dental at Dental hygiene is my drug as well, just so everyone knows. Yeah, you're addicted, mate. I am. Actually, I got a tongue scraper for Christmas. That's how addicted I was. And my dentist says, good job when I go for my six-month checkup. That's how addicted I am. That's nice. He doesn't make fun of me for my weird dinosaur tooth. It's the first time a dentist has just been like, embrace it, man. You've got a little dino tooth. Have you got a weird dinosaur tooth? Yeah, look. (coughs) Ah. (coughs) you got a little dinosaur tooth. (coughs) I look like I got old Champa here. (laughs) (laughs) So she's having the snacks. He's just very relaxed. I think I wrote that he's enjoying being in the company of someone who is enjoying themselves. Ah. Because he has an ex-wife, he has an ex-girlfriend, everyone in his orbit is so busy and kind of, you know, doesn't want to be around him. Is this the ultimate softcore voyeurism? Do you want to watch movies and chill with me? No, I just want to watch you watch movies and chill with yourself. Because he's not really getting involved in it. <laughs> no, initially. he's not. He's got, he's got faxes, Sam. He's got faxes. He's just kind of happy that he can make someone happy. And then, of course, they catch each other's eyes. The chemistry turns into that chemistry known oh. as sexual chemistry. Eye contact. Yeah. And then they have sexy times with a raucous, old-timey comedy going on in the background. Mm. Now, like, I honestly can't get off unless there is a meme going on in the background personally like you know <laughs> <laughs> or like a little you know a little like binaural keyboard cat to, to, yeah. to, to fill in the background or something maybe so i understand why they had to do that here yes but she quite rudely mutes that so that they don't they don't hear it and the, the thing that i found interesting was the little little cushion by the feet for her to kneel on it was just like a little like she she knows what she's doing here. It's smart. It's like it's in, smart. In, in wrestling, the wrestler Roman Reigns, he comes out and he does a big fist smash onto the ground like he's a yeah. superhero. But he's got a little special blowjob pillow for his hand as well, <laughs> hasn't he? <laughs> He does. And it's like, it might not seem like the most romantic thing, and it might not seem like the most passionate thing, but it's an important thing, and it's it's so practical. She's very practical about this. She's the MacGyver of sex work here. It's it's very impressive. She's very, very uh, capable in the situation. We establish a big rule as well. I don't kiss on the mouth. And Richard Gere says, neither do I. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what are you on about, mate? So that is significant. Don't kiss on the mouth. And they say later it's because you form emotional connections when there's kissing involved. Mm. Emotions are transferred via spit. You know that, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. It's yeah, a yeah. saliva-based mm-hmm. emotion, of course. But uh, Julia Roberts, you know, she had been in a you know, Mystic Pizza and a few other bits and bobs. This is her big kind of breakout movie. Mystic and Pizza? She- Mystic Pizza. Ah. I know, it's her first big role. But I'm hungry now. Oh, for a Ooh. mystic... I don't know if I want a mystic pizza, mm. thanks very much. I want a sceptical reality pizza. That's <laughs> how so you get chicken and mushrooms, all right? No. That's some sort of weird, mystical bullshit. <laughs> but she was very hesitant with a lot of the sex scenes, apparently. Like she broke out in like hives on some of the right. sets and all that. So it was like a difficult shoot in that regard. Also, fun fact, she only got paid 300000 for this movie, which is like a pittance compared to what it, it made, like 
hundreds of millions. Yeah. But Julia Roberts would go on to then make like several records about making the most money for a woman in a movie ever. Like it was twenty million for Aaron Brockovich and then twenty five million for like Mona Lisa Smart or whatever it was. So yeah. she's the biggest bankable female actor we've had on this on this series, I think. She I makes think so. an eye watering amount of money. Which in fairness, given that past the three movies that we, we put in the vote, mm. there's like there's a lot of other kind of like middling stuff like that stuff that's considered classic just stuff that was kind of out at the time she's done very well for herself as julia crafting this career as the most well-moneyed woman in hollywood yeah she's a a big success but this was her breakout role right yeah yeah okay Cool. So she must have been quite young here. She looked young. She looks, but she looks the fucking same. Like for yeah, tw- like whatever. About Richard Gere looked the same for twenty years. So did she. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. So after the sex, there's a big phone, a bigger breakfast, and even bigger croissants. These croissants are like fucking backpacks. They're so big. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> They are very big. She's, again, just chomping away on, on, on croissants, asking questions with a mouthful of croissant. And he, Edward's Richard Gere, goes through what he does for a living. Ah, yes, buying companies. And then stripping them out and selling off the bits. Now, honestly, what he described here, if you replace the word company with sausage rolls, I think he's described my, <laughs> my dream job. You buy sausage rolls. <laughs> break it down to its constituent parts. <laughs> the sausage rolls that some people don't want, you yeah. know. And then he breaks it into their constituent parts. And, and then sells it back to Greg's. And yeah, then, exactly. Yeah. Piece by piece. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Greg's, for buying my shit, apparently. <laughs> uh, also, I wrote in here that Viv is brave now, and I got confused. But it's because her hair is big, curly, and red. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, and she does look much nicer with her natural hair. Not to sound like a complete weird white knight type person. But I actually think women look better without makeup girls so. you don't you don't need to wear those wigs you're, you know? <laughs> you're naturally beautiful that that thing that you spend ages getting really good of and you're really proud of how good you can do it i've decided you don't need you don't to need do it you don't need you it don't it's need okay it. Right. the skills that you learn all right darling yeah <laughs> you, you don't know you're beautiful love beautiful yeah so but she does look really nice with the with the big red curly hair. I mean, no one's no one has got curly hair. It looks that good coming out of a shower. No, no. fucking way, right? This is Julia Roberts. Yeah. Know? Hey, yeah. Julia, we're gonna need twenty million to do the fucking sink afterwards, if you know what I'm saying, because <laughs> of all the clogs. And Edwards, Richard Gear, he's on the phone to his mate Jason Alexander, and apparently there's a meeting going on, and he should bring a date along for this meeting. It would make sense for there to be a date coming It'd be along with weird him to this meeting. If you didn't bring you a didn't date, have a Hey, that would be weird, mate. You need a date for this thing. Who are you going to find? Mate, you can't bring a mate on a business date. No, you can't. you got to bring a date on a date. Yeah, mate? All right. So <laughs> he's, he strolls into the bath where Julia's having a bath, and she's got headphones on. She's belting out some Prince songs. And seeing that, he's like, I've already, already got myself a date. It's Julie Roberts. And the deal, which is negotiated here, firm mm. negotiation, six nights and six days, $3,000, also money for conservative brackets, Tory's clothes, <coughs> and as well, she gets to go to all the big top dinners. And he yes. says, even though they're, they're sparking here now, like something, you know there's something here, but then he's like, and at the end of that, I will let you go. And, you know, that's, mm. that's that, you know? So he's trying to be all strictly business Still a here. a bit distant. Yeah. It's not coming on too strong. The negotiation was kind of almost like kind of fun. S- say what you will, Sam. The negotiations were brief. <laughs> 
But once the deal's done, she's like, $3,000, holy shit! And then, like, ducks her head under the bath. She's very excited. Like, she can't contain her joy over some of the things that happen here. And that's very endearing, I think. Oh, yeah. And she's like, you know, she, she's got that spark. Everyone knows someone like this character, you mm. know, who's got this, like crazy bubbling over enthusiasm and that so often can come across very phony and forced and a bit there on on screen but julia roberts is just a fucking goddamn delight she's so yeah. good so goddamn good at this now when he's like oh you need to get some posh clothes all right oh i thought he was going to go shopping with her but he just is like i'm off now for business reasons you're on your own get some nice clothes i'll be back and she goes to the shop full of the poshos and they hashtag judge her because it's like this is very expensive please live we're rude i don't think this would fit you i didn't ask if it would fit me i asked how much it is how much is it it's very oh. expensive oh it's so rude now this was the this is the thing i was talking to you before but do you remember the the bit now from the office yeah woman bit i still don't remember it from the office but i am very forgetful so oh my god this is why people keep rewatching the office yes because you just need to refresh our memories so the line that really i don't think we have anything for you you're obviously in the wrong place please leave so have you ever had a situation where you felt like pushed out a bit by some not necessarily a pasha but someone who's like sir you don't belong or this is not for you off you go now the only occasions where i have were the few times i've traveled first class on the train oh yeah choo choo this this one used to uh you do it on your first class travel back when we were doing stand-up i remember yeah. this this was controversial you come back with a bushel of biscuits yes because on cer- at certain times on certain trains the difference between regular and first class was literally like two or three quid. Not if you're not if you're just buying like a general ticket, but if you're buying for a specific time, there were some trains, some journeys where you could upgrade to first class for less than five pounds. And at every opportunity, I would do that because then I get a free biscuit, a free hot drink, and I'd have a little bit more room and a slightly comfier seat. But I always felt like I was like you know in my little t-shirt hoodie and jeans oh was there like kind of a man with a mustache and a bowler hat going was mr banks there giving you the stink eye like (laughs) the first time i ever sat in first class i was worried about that and i thought actually no it's all right this is just people who can like afford a little bit extra and they just want that bit of extra comfort it's not like super posh you know like airplanes where it's like first class it's not like that this is just on a train but i sat down and someone sat opposite me and he was wearing a full suit and I, <laughs> and did he go? <sighs> I saw him brush uh, Waitrose sandwich crumbs off his table with a copy of the Financial Times, and I thought, you know what, I, I'm not sure I belong here necessarily, but it's okay. The other time was when I went to a really posh restaurant, like one of those tasting menu experiences. Oh yeah, and I was sort of dressed up. This is uh, so I went to a wedding, and the wedding venue was near this really posh restaurant. It, yeah, was, yeah. it wasn't like Michelin starred, but it was like Michelin recommended. Also, it was just super, super duper big posh. So you see, what I my experience at those places mm. is always it's only as awkward as you make it well, because everyone there will be fucking delighted for someone coming to eat a fucking dinner. It's up to you to be the part that they want you to be like. <laughs> so uh, it was a really nice tasting menu that we had. I was there with the, with a date and towards the end of the meal, uh, they brought over the cheese board and there were so many lovely cheeses 
And we looked at the cheeses, and the woman was like, which cheeses would you like? And between us, we decided on a bunch of different cheeses. We're like, have that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. And we picked too many, because we thought, we're never going to really do this again. This is like a very rare experience for us. Let's have all the nice cheeses. And once we picked all the cheeses that we both wanted, the woman turned to me and went, and for you, sir? Because she thought this was just for the person I was with. And so out of embarrassment, I then ordered a similar amount of more cheese just for me. So we had a a ludicrous amount of cheese, like double a normal amount of cheese. You you know what uh, happened there then Mm. is that they went all back and they said, do you see them over there? Do you see the fucking amount of cheese they had? Jesus be with the days. But I wasn't willing to go, oh, I've made a mistake. Sorry, I thought you meant for both of us. Can we just split that between us? I no, didn't want to do that. this is where you meant to say, sorry, you've made a mistake by assuming <laughs> that I'm some sort of a fucking cheese machine here, like, you know? You're that's in it. the wrong. You're in, You're the, in wrong. the wrong, like, yeah. you know? <laughs> so that's the you wielded the cheese knife. I felt like this. I, I mean, that's not really like this. I've never been, like, shooed away from somewhere for not being posh enough. I was shooed away once, but I felt I was shooed away with good reason. Right. I was in Tokyo, and... On, on a trip, and we found the hotel from Lost in Translation, just as, like, being a big fucking nerd like I was. Mm. And it's like, oh, let's go up to the bar and see if we can just get a drink. And it was the middle of the day, and we were, like, sweaty in t-shirts and shorts. Yeah. And as soon as we got into the elevator, we re- it was like, uh-oh, this is, like, all very gilded. Uh. We've made a terrible mistake. And we just went up and said, hi, can we get a drink? And they're like, excuse me, sir, one moment. And then they went off and they got someone else to come out and say, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Please go away. We do not allow... And they said, so nicely, they said, please be aware, we cannot allow anyone in with half trousers such as yours. Half trousers Half trousers. Good. Yeah. And we were like, it's all right. Fair you, enough. You, you very calmly and politely explained this. Yeah. And how am I at odds with your establishment? So. But that's not how these clothes shop women are treating poor Julia Roberts. No, they're not even giving her half a trouser, yet alone half a, a, an iota of respect here no. is what's going on. And this extends as well to the hotel where she's getting problems, it seems, to start from the snooty manager, Barney. Because mm. he's like, who are you? And she's like, I'm a friend of Richard Gere. <laughs> and like, come on now, that's the name of the actor, not the character. Ed something, Eddie, Edward... Pretend she's his niece, but, like, no one's buying that. Yeah, so he kind of, like, bundles her into a room and kind of, like, interrogates her. But does it in this weird kind of, look, we like Edward, he's a special guest, so ordinarily we wouldn't allow you here, but since you're his guest and we like him as a special guest, you're his niece, wink, wink, I assume you're a relative and you don't have any other uncles here, which is a really weird way of putting that whole metaphor together, but it's gross. I mean, I always thought the word John was cool to use as, like, mm. you know, a mark or whatever. An uncle. But an uncle? Like. <laughs> no, not having that. But he, he does, uh, when she explains the whole thing with the, the clothes shop and being refused service, and, like, she's got this money but she can't do anything with it, he does do a very nice favour, rings up a posh clothing shop or yeah because they've got yeah. like somewhere on retainer this is uh, i guess another thing that maybe the movie is like very much showing its colors having come out of you know a decade of the 80s mm. but my god cash is king in this movie baby let me tell you if you got cash life is good everything, everything's fine everything's fine yeah. and the, literally here the only problem she's got this big 
like broken pile of money and it's like no no you're just not using it right let me show you how like it's a full-on wadge of cash it's a big wadge it's just it's a fucking yeah. fist of money sam is what it is <laughs> not a fist full an actual fist, fist, made fist of, of money. money yeah uh, this new clothes lady is much nicer she does a lot of nice shopping we don't actually see the dress so i anticipate we're getting a big reveal Big reveal. And big also, reveal. R- Richard Gere's not coming up to the room before they meet. So, I mean, that's just setting up a big reveal. Big reveal. Barney, as well, teaches her the, frankly, overrated table manners. And he mm. does a really bad job because I was told one thing when I was a kid, and that was you eat outside, outside in. Outside in. That's all it is. Ooh, the salad fork, the biddy boof. No. What's the. Like, if you can keep track of one set of cutlery for every course, you're grand. Yeah. That's it. From the outside in. Just don't drink sometimes they'll bring out a little bit of hot water and a lemon if you're gonna have something sticky or like finger food don't drink it don't drink it because my dad did that once and it was very embarrassing don't bite into the lemon either not least for the fact that i had nowhere to then dab my fingers because someone had (laughs) drank my cleaning fluid and i was too embarrassed on his behalf to ask for Uh. more (laughs) excuse me can i have some more lemon water my father has ingested mine and so she's learned the table etiquette She's downstairs waiting for Richard Gere. Hot dinner days! And he comes down, and this is this feels very cliched and a bit obvious, but it is quite sweet that he's like, he doesn't seem to be able to see her, and he's kind of squinting his eyes, going like, where is she? And then when she turns around, he's like, the look in his face is like, surely it can't be! Exact same reaction to when my uncle first took my nose. I was like, where, where can where it be? Where is it? Where is it? Who? Where and I'm squinting, it? and then he shows me, I'm like... Stunning. Ah, my nose Absolutely. just had a really nice cocktail dress on it, and that's why I didn't see it. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird dinner date, though, because mm. I don't know if you've ever been on a date where the other person has brought their granddad. Uh, <laughs> that's like a bit fucking weird, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's you, need, you, need a, you need a date, Eddie, because he's bringing his granddad, and your granddad's dead, so you got to bring a chase. <laughs> and she's kind of, despite learning the etiquette, she's still making a bit of a pig's ear of it. But that is actually quite endearing to the old business granddad because he doesn't get his, he can't get his head around the posh fork system. I can't even get my head around this as well because she's like, whoa, the salad fork, what's this for then? He's like, we have salad at the end of the meal. I'm like, excuse me? Do you? Salad at the end end of of the meal? Uh, What the fuck is that? Okay, interesting. No. Like, there's only one time you can have salad at the end of the meal, and that's fruit if you salad. S- <laughs> no, if you're having salad that's about to go off in your fridge, right? And at the end of your meal, you're still a little bit hungry. You can eat make that. a little salad then. Eat that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be having s- planning to have salad at the end of the meal. No. What the fuck. Yeah. Yucky. Imagine if they came up to you in that restaurant. And they said, "How many of these salads would you like?" <laughs> Did you accidentally salad. order too much? Like <laughs> she's eating escargot, snails, and one slips away. She's like slippery little suckers. And importantly, this company does not want to be sold. No, the old man doesn't want to let the company go. And this is where we basically see now that there's a little bit of, like, maybe she's going to start impacting on him and breaking down that ice wall and mm. melt, the, melt the ice caps of Richard Gere and raise the sea levels of his affection, you know, make him more like a real normal person. I'm worried about the planet. Also, she's leaning on the balcony going, look, oh. look, look. No, I'm telling. I'm, I'm getting an adult. Miss well. Julia Roberts was... Dangerous and joking about it. Well, Richard Gere says he's very scared of heights, and so she's doing this to rile him up. We we establish he's scared of heights, and uh, what we also establish while she's chatting is that the, the nature of their jobs 
apparently is kind of similar. The phrase, we both screw people for money, is an interesting one there. I'm like, ah, maybe we're not so different after all. And they're starting I mean, to they, talk a bit more personally. There's a bit yeah. more kind of bonding going on. He is he is opening up a little bit. You yeah. find out about how his dad died and he had, like, not spoken to him. And all. In this yeah. case, the poster child for, like, you know, heroic Hollywood's, like, toxic masculinity. It's like, oh, it's so sexy. His dad died. He didn't even speak to him for 14 years. Ugh! But he uh, eventually goes downstairs for a bit. She's wondering where he is. He's downstairs playing piano because he's actually a Blow sensitive cultural guy. And that is, I mean, that's pretty appealing, Richard Gere playing the piano. So much so that they get frisky down there. And that includes pressing a few keys by accident when they're kind of, you know, trying to get it on on a piano. She's very <laughs> oh, is that because they couldn't watch the viral video? They're like, look, we'll just simulate we'll the noise yeah. of the lady falling by going... <laughs> <laughs> she says to him the next morning, I think, that shopping wasn't as fun as she thought it was going to be. Because they're all poshos. They were mean to her. And he says, mean to you? And so he immediately decides to sort this out, take her down to a different shop, and spend an obscene amount of money there. His words, yes, obscene damn. amount. Lots of money. Spend it at the shop. Pretty woman. On down the street. Pretty woman. Like the ones on Wiki Feed. Pretty woman. I crop those beers. The shop assistant lad here is. Very funny. Sir, exactly how how obscene an amount of money are we talking about? Profane He's like positively or licking really his offensive? lips. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this guy. Yeah, really offensive. I like him so much. Oh. And this is what I like, right? Yeah. Pretty woman. Puts it in. She's try- I love any montage of people trying on lots of, of different outfits. Always mm-hmm. a winner, right? We got that. We got the montage. And then she walks down the street yes. just in time for a the music. Woman. Yeah. What we don't get, unfortunately, in the montage of trying on nice things is the going into a dressing room, coming out of the dressing room with the new thing on, and then cut to the other people going, uh, thumbs up, or kind of like middling or thumbs down. And then a, a really wacky down. one. Like, yeah. you know, she'd come out with like parachute pants and be like, no, Julia, you shouldn't wear those. Yeah. Uh, you know. We don't get that, but we do get lots of fun trying on clothes. And she walks down the street in the nice clothes. And now she's dressed all fancy. She to the goes, nines. She goes into the, the mean shop from the other day and says, I was here yesterday... You wouldn't serve me. You you work on commission, right? Big mistake. Big. And that's... Is that iconic, that line? Is that uh, a big thing? It's big mistake. Huge. Huge. <laughs> it, re- it really sounds like something that like a parent would say. Big mistake. Huge. Your father's going to hear about this. <laughs> Not big mistake, big, which is what I thought it was. Big mistake. Big. <laughs> Wait, what kind of mistake was it again? Big. big. As I yeah, said, big. Big, big mistake, you know? Huge. Huge mistake. You know what? Mm. I felt that she could have really rubbed it in a lot more than she opted to. But she's classier than that. Isn't she? She could have really caused a whole nightmare in that shop. Oh, I would have she... fucked shit up, like. Oh, yeah, I would have knocked things over and then thrown money at it, like a, you know, Bullingdon Club type situation. But, I... <laughs> <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> she doesn't do that. And so they they get back and they have a, a big personal chat. I think they're in the bath. And this is where the, the dad stuff comes up. His dad was rich, divorced his mum, took all the money with him. But he then ended up buying his dad's company and then selling that piece by piece. 
And the thing that stood out to me about this scene was he was talking about going to see a therapist and stuff like that. And Julia Roberts describes her legs being 44 inches each as a combined 88 inches of therapy. So now, one really long leg. It, I, <laughs> one which is kind leg. of like, I mean, Julia Roberts, she is beautiful, but yeah. I think Julia Roberts with one leg stacked on top of the other, and it's kind of like, uh, like one tri- big long leg. Like long, kind of alien. No, I think that'd be quite horrifying. It like. would be. But something about the phrase 88 inches of therapy just jumped out to me. That's an amazing thing to say. It's an amazing way to describe legs. But yeah, fabulous stuff. We have a little bit of time of polo, which is definitely the weirdest of the sports uh, mm. i was disappointed as a child to find out that water polo does not include horses with swimming goggles on but whatever man and they can wear the big snorkels and be, all it's, be really fun is polo horse horseback hockey it's either horseback hockey or like horseback what's that other thing uh croquet it's one right. or the other yeah horseback hockey sounds like a beer or something doesn't it a nice pint of horseback hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Or like yeah. some sort of like designer drug from like Robocop 3 or something like. You oh, know, yeah. he's hooked on the old uh, horseback Horse- hockey, if you know horseback what I'm saying. Horseback hockey, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. <laughs> now, I like about Polo is that it's meant to be really sophisticated and classy, but mm. they use air horns all the time. So there's just loads of like louts running around on horses going. <laughs> Which is not really as elegant as all that. No, but we do get some posh, judgmental people. The, the comments like, oh, so you're the flavour of the month. And Ooh. one of Edward's girls. It's a pleasure Ooh. to meet one of Edward's girls. Ugh. I don't like that. No. I like the ceremonial stomping of the divots. Yeah, come on, let's all stomp on some divots. As we all know. That sounds like a bit of fun, doesn't it? Stomping on a divot. But basically what starts happening here is he gets a little bit jealous. He sees her talking with the grandson of the, the company owner. And he but that's starts... good. Uh, that's a good thing. That would get she's, that, she's networking the that fuck out of him out. That gets that man on side for his business, but he's t- too bloody jealous. And he gets awkward, and he starts being like mean, mm. and the questions start from everyone. I think he freaks out, like he like he's realised that he might somehow be embarrassed by all of this. Yeah, and so G- George Costanza asks him, you know, is, is this some sort of corporate espionage? She seems like she might be a spy or something, and she's going to bring that information back to these guys. Stop trying to make her even sexier. Like, you don't need that now. Come on, no. don't be saying she's a spy. Like, come on. He divulges what her profession is, which George is... Well, Jason Alexander's character... I just call him George in this, to he, be honest. He says... Bargain basement street walker is a phrase that comes out of his mouth. I'm like, ah, Jesus. I mean... Oh, George. Some of the stuff where we're like, hey, this hasn't gone too badly, but there is some stuff. Most of that comes out of Jason Alexander's mouth and actions. (laughs) But I mean, like, you know, here's the thing. He's the fucking villain of the piece. He's talking down to her. That's kind of like, in many respects, it's to be expected. But it is also, I guess, a reminder of the backdrop to which this movie is is being set and the kind of the style of hollywood at the time and the verbiage on offer for for this maybe his interpretation of this might be representative of a lot more people than there would be now like his reaction is kind of seems then not reasonable but like a lot of people would react like that in the same way which is unfortunate unreasonable but but relatable i think for the time i think was what they were going for but yeah they have a big fight at the hotel Mm. and they do the typical thing in all these hollywood fights where she gets very distraught and emotional and he just gets all cold and shitty yeah you are a 
worker and you are my employee. I mean, he doesn't really apologize for any of no, this shit, does he? Doesn't. He? No, well, he just he, says, he, she says, you hurt me, don't do it again. She basically just forgives him. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> he comes out and just says, I was angry and jealous and I did a bad thing. And so, yeah, the, you hurt me, don't do it again. Seems quite powerful, but also, I, I don't know, it's like, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about this fight. It kind of doesn't go anywhere, really. I mean, seeing as this is the fight, every romantic, yeah. you know, movie of this ilk will have a big fight scene, this is the fight. It's funny to show, like, kind of, like, how, like, the Hollywood standards are back then, because, like, I think if you had a, like, I saw Marriage Story recently, mm. and the fight in Marriage Story is, like, that's modern couples fighting, folks. That's fucking, like, people are actually, like, both parties being equally distraught. And I hate this fucking Hollywood thing of, like, it's a statue and a weeping willow side by side, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? Caricature-like shit. And then he gives her a necklace and everything's okay. Yay! Now, the necklace is on loan and would ordinarily, if he just bought it, cost $250,000. The little snap-in-the-box shirt on her fingers when she goes into it. That was improv. The reaction was very... You could tell it was genuine. And it was very Yeah, it was like a goof at the end of the movie. Yeah. But it speaks to Julia Roberts' ability to tap into that real-life kind of... Mm pure joy happiness and whatnot that was a real sweet moment it is i, I love as well like though all the stories was like keep an eye out for the famous necklace scene because richard gear actually did that to cheer her up because she was having a bad day on set right. so just think about it i know it went well but think about this on set richard gear thought oh julia's having a hard time now okay. obviously <laughs> we're in we're into production i know she's broken out in hive several times mm. during some of the awkward sex scenes and stuff like that Obviously, I'm a much more established Hollywood presence. Maybe I can make her feel at ease. Can you give me one of the PAs over there? Yeah, hi, sorry, honey. Could you um get me uh, the box for the jewellery? Because I want to see if I can snap it on her <laughs> fucking fingers. <laughs> to make her feel better. This oh, prank wait, is this because she's up? Yeah, no, 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 no. I'll get that for you now. Hang on. <laughs> so they go on a, a gosh-darn private jet. Pure Ric Flair treatment. Limousine, private jet. Opera to New York, I think maybe. Yeah, the home of the opera. Hey, I'm opera here. Uh, they're, in a, <laughs> they're in a posh box at the opera. So actually, wait, are you telling yeah. me in opera the bit where they're going? Aah! They're actually saying here. <laughs> I'm walking here. Yes, that's what all <laughs> opera is about. Oh, okay, makes sense. Now he does some kind of posh wank here that I didn't quite like about explaining Sorry, the he opera. does some posh wank some here? Some posh wank. No, well, he doesn't No, he doesn't have a posh wank, but he speaks in a posh wanky way about opera, saying so that... Was he hanging on to all those condoms from earlier? Was that what he was... <laughs> yeah, the gold one for a particular poshness. You either love opera the first time, or you don't love it straight away... At that point, you can learn to appreciate it, but it never becomes part of your soul. Jesus the Christ, no off. pressure on the... F- fuck off! Say, so Richard Gere is making you watch Cowboy Bebop on your first date. <laughs> if you don't love it straight away, you it, can learn to appreciate it, but it, but it never it becomes, part of, it your becomes soul. part of your soul. <laughs> but, thankfully, I, I, guess, I guess it has become part of her soul because she's moved to tears. I'm actually scared to go see opera for that reason. Yeah. Have you ever, you, you've not ever been to the opera? Never been to an opera. I don't think I, I have. I'm a devotee of the lively arts, folks. I love mm. to go see anything live. I think seeing like live, like live dance, live musicals, any sort of live performance, I'm always down for that. And I always yeah. try, like, even like shitty community theater stuff like low rent, yeah. I love seeing that as well. In it's the moment, it's great. live. 
Yeah, All right. right. Yeah. But uh, opera, even though Manchester's got an opera house, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Because of that very reason, I've had like Joe's grandparents who are big opera heads. I've had a lot of like my uncles and aunts who are big opera heads. And they've all said the similar kind of like, oh, it'll be like a four hour stint now. So pick your first one carefully and do your research beforehand. I'm like, mm. I don't, don't want to research something that I might not like. And also it's like a bajillion pounds. There is still very much a financial barrier to entry. And it the, is. a cultural, I feel, barrier to entry. That in the opera is it's it is the thing for posh people, isn't it? Like, I think I would f- like I wouldn't feel out of sorts in a lot of places. Being tall and Irish in England gets you that edge because people feel awkward around you anyway. You've but, got the advantage. But at the opera, but at the opera, I don't mm. know. Like you know, no. maybe they don't know about the black and tans at the opera. Maybe they won't be able to rile them up with my fight songs. <laughs> but she says it was so good I almost peed my pants again. Kind of. <laughs> Upset some some posh people And Richard Gere says She said she liked it more than Pirates of Penzance Which is More more than Pirates of the Caribbean as well folks Ever seen in um, Star Shaped The documentary about Blur Wherein (laughs) Alex James is teasing Graham Coxon And he says Tickle my arse with a feather Graham And Graham says what? And he says particularly nasty weather Graham and it's just that kind of great fun time banter that really solidified Blur as a unit throughout the nineties. What a great band they were! So you're saying that Julia Part Roberts life. and Richard Gee here, they're 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 they're, they're gear, they're Blur, <laughs> they're Blur, they're yeah. Blur. And if you were to pick any other pairing from Cinema Swirl Pass to be Oasis, oh okay, the rivals, ah, right? You need like a fractured relationship, a, a, a loving but very kind of what Han and Chewy like a little bit, like well, come on now, you know? Maybe, yeah. And them sideburns, Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? I'll never tell. <laughs> Chewy. One of the Gallagher brothers is Chewy, and it's definitely Liam. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna say it right now. So he's given her the big kind of like this is like this is special move he's done here because he's yeah. done all everything he can offer. He's given you the Ric Flair treatment of the private jet, the big limo, opera, fancy meal, all that. You've got the fucking jewels on hire. That's my big fucking a one move. Yeah, and then she's like, okay. We're going to have a day off tomorrow. You're going to take a day off. And I'm basically going to do my shit. Like, you know, I'm going to give you my A1 day. And they, like, go to, you know, like, a regular diner. And they go to the park. And they're just doing normal stuff. Yeah. And, like, that's that's nice to see. Now, there was mm. one bit that did perturb me, though, where they're walking around. And she's like, oh, let's go over here. Let's grab a hot dog. And then we'll cop a squash. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Now... From The Sopranos and other things, I always thought Copper Squat meant take a shift. Yeah, I thought so as well. And he's like... and he's I, like, whoa, copper squat. He's like, yeah, let's copper squat here. And she points like near a tree. I'm like, Jesus, Julie, it's broad daylight. Like, So th- this feels like a kind of cultural exchange. He's taken yeah. her to the opera and she's... <laughs> let's go shit in the fucking <laughs> she, park. She's showing him what the common people do. And maybe to him, he might have been like, I, gu- I guess these people shit in the park. I, 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 I guess I, this is what I... That's part I mean, of I, it. Know, I know it's called the common, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and now it's, it's just sitting down, and then we get another sex scene, but this is, like, this is the sex scene. All these ones, they kind of cut away from you, and you see bits of. Mm. This one, there's a lot more implied nudity, and there's kisses Kissing as well. on the mouth. On the mouth. Kissing Kiss on the her mouth. right on the hives. <laughs> yes. And she says, while I think she thinks he's asleep, that she loves him, but he well, opens his well, eyes, and well, he, he hears well. it. So this is... This has got, and this is only over the course of a week. Remember, this is 
gone very romantic and she's in love and it's basically now what do you actually want out of this and both of them are kind of questioning that a little bit and it gets a bit mm. heated again yeah. the really upsetting line which is I never treated you like a prostitute you just did boom yeah huge he's like I'm gonna go back to New York but hey uh, I'll sort you out with an apartment money clothes whatever you want yeah, baby. Like, that, that's not that isn't what she that's not what she wants that's she wants part of the deal she wants a white knight like me to come up there and say y- you look better without the makeup and the <laughs> wigs <laughs> No, she, she wants a white knight to come and rescue her. Not The knight in her dreams as a child never said, come on, baby, I'll put you up in a great condo. You know? Also, yeah, it's weird that you fantasise about the knight in your dreams if it's a child. I'm just saying, Julia, you've got, uh, you yeah, no. got to move on from that. Like, you yeah. know? Eddie beefs the deal in the meanwhile because he decides he wants to help the company as opposed to gut it out and have them build something. He's changed. And she's he's, changed he's him. He's changed by osmosis. Yeah. And all it took mm-hmm. was copping a squat in the field. That's all he needed to do. <laughs> you just got shit in the park sometimes and it changes your whole perspective. And I'm not going to lie. We're like literally into the last 10 minutes of the movie. Thereabouts, it feels like here now. And I was like, you know, the night naivety aside like and I you know I thought Louis Theroux's documentary on sex workers was a bit one side or this is a very naive version of events and all that yeah. jazz but I was thinking alright it's held up all well nothing too egregious and then George decides he's gonna fucking assault her and this is like way out of left field I know he's like a bit of a baddie but he's literally like knocks on the door and is like oh you're a prostitute I'm gonna rape you and then he punches her and like he's on top of her choking ah yeah, he's gone from a bit of a sleazeball to actual rapist very quickly because he's upset about a business deal by the what? sounds of things. There's yeah. nothing beforehand that actually gives any sort no. of... This is so strange. This is some extreme villainy here. I mean, you know what? I guess some people can look at it and say, oh, well, this is you know, indicative of like how little some people thought of and still think of sex workers yeah, and yeah, yeah. that they think the rules about you know their protection aren't the same as other people and they think there's du- you know that may be so but even still it's a fucking to make that point is quite scary and to do it like this is even scarier because it's quite yeah. PG-13 up until this point I mean Vivian makes that sort of point a little bit later because Edward comes in punches George Costanza in the face and tells him to go which is almost an underreaction still to just beat him up and say, go away. Also, the thing he says to him is, it's the kill you love, not me, about their relationship, uh, George and Edward. I know it's not called George, but, you know, uh, I don't know. They're talking about business, and then he goes away. Call the police! Yeah, I know. There's a crime has been committed. <laughs> yeah, says, right. I'll punch you and go away. She says, there'll always be some guy like that, thinking he can do that, thinking that's allowed. What are you going to do? Beat up everybody? And I was hoping that at this point Richard Gere said, yeah, yeah, tell I'll me. Try, I, I could give tell it a go. Me. Where are they? I'll go get them. Try and be up everybody. I'll spark them all out. And then, you know, she leaves. It mm. is sad. It feels like their relationship has changed forever. And then we get some more 80s fucking bangers. It must have been a goal, but it's offside now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's she's going home because he he wants her to stay the night with him because not because he's paying her but because she wants to and she says she can't and so she gets to go home. She's gonna go to San Francisco. Admittedly, gets to go in a limo. Yeah. She gets a nice go in the limo because Barney, the hotel manager, is very sweet to her and is quite he he turned around didn't he from the start where we see him and he's a he bit was yeah. and he's you know soft hearted. I feel we've not talked a lot about Barney, but I think he's mm. actually low key one of my favorite bits of the movie because like he's so good at like 
catering to what she needs and also catering to what Richard Gere's character needs as well. He's like this kind of like middleman who he isn't necessarily trying to make them get, he's not Cupid or anything, but he's a great no. facilitator. And I love like a character like that who just kind of in the background is busying away. He's real good, yeah. He's good. So when Richard Gere wants to return the necklace, I think he's giving it back to Barney and saying, can you go sort this out and get this back? And he says, oh, it must be difficult letting go of something so beautiful. Ooh. Ostensibly talking about the necklace, but he's not really talking he's about the necklace. Really. Is he? You know, he's oh, trying to push no. it together. This all gets very mushy. Meanwhile, Vivian is basically proving the defunct idea of trickle down economics as she's like, Yeah, I've been given some money and hope by a very rich man, so I'm giving you a smaller bit of money and hope as well. And she's like, Wow, you're going to go get your grade 10, San Francisco. I'm going to go to like beauty school or something. This system works. Yeah. You've got to make sure Richard Gere's in big business, folks. <laughs> But he, hey, he comes back, doesn't he? Here he comes. He does. And you know what? He pointed out the, the thing about his fear of heights, which he, he downplays so much. I almost went over my head, you know, the fact that he climbs up climbing the fire up escape. the thing. Yeah. He's, and he he's comes getting over it. blaring opera out as well at her. He's got nah. the roses. It's sweet. It's it's a cute ending. It's heartwarming. I'm not going to lie, Sam. In the last, like, five or so years, particularly the last couple of years in this podcast, I think I've said that I cry a lot easier at movies now. Mm. I feel I do get quite emotional about about a lot of things in movies these days. Sure. But this did not, like, remotely come to a tearjerker. But it had me doing a solid, ah, ah, no. Ah, now would you look it. So what happens after he climbs up the tower and rescues her? She says, she rescues him right back. Oh! Roll credits, we're out of here. We're out of here. Pretty woman. One down the street. Yeah. Sam... We've mm. obviously talked about ways that we thought the movie could have potentially aged badly, but didn't, but also yeah. did. We seem to have had a lot of fun here with this one. I mean, this was we a romp, did. I thought. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it was a romp. I think it was fun. I think Julia Roberts shines in this. I think Richard Gere is in this. Uh, no, yeah, they, there's they certain have... people who you like see and you like, I understand, they have like a mega star charisma about them. Yeah. And I think Julia Roberts is one of those people for definite. I can see how this sort of launched her career into the stratosphere. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Richard Gere, I, I didn't mean to dunk on him there. They they do have some chemistry. The chemistry's mm. great. The soundtrack is great in this. Oh, it's one of the best actually in movies that we've done, honestly. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It is quite romantic it's corny is it safe to say yeah it's corny there's some sweet stuff going on there's some funny lines like did you find yourself watching this that you know we've watched a lot of movies where a lot of the cliches come from for action and comedy and whatnot did you notice like a lot of like romantic comedy cliches or kind of romance movie cliches in this one i think Uh, we did mention some along the way but a couple of montages i mean some of the stuff that he says is just kind of like a bit smarmy and wanky and deliberately just kind of like there to be interesting and kind of aloof and romantic at one point he says I know about wanting more I invented the concept Uh, what does that even mean but you know this is full of quotes and moments and bits and bobs would you watch it again uh I would you would you watch this as a date night movie oh maybe maybe because it is quite sweet isn't it in this yeah yeah. I mean, if you, as long as you take your kind of forget me now about like <laughs> the realities of sex or compared to how it's necessarily yeah. portrayed. Yeah. And also you don't care about like some of the other themes and what 
you know, I think I'm, there is look, a, a daft fun time to be had here. I'm not 100% sure what the message of this is. Yeah, no, that is true. What is now the message? Now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, what? What is the message here? I like, because a lot of people could say, the message of this is, you could take anyone, even like a sex worker, give them loads of money and a makeover, and then they can be like, they can be anybody they want to be. Is that, that a like, good message? It's not really, no, because I, mean, no. I just say cash is king is seemingly the message money of this movie. Money is great. It is. That's it will solve the, all of your problems yeah. because money will give you the ambition and the drive to solve all of your problems. <laughs> That's what they're saying. We're not saying that, by the way. There's still the case that none of this would be able to happen without money going on here. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of money heavy. Even is. at the end where it's like, oh, I've come to rescue you and just you know have a nice, normal relationship. I'm not going to put you up in a thing, a condo or anything. But it still all comes down to he's really rich and that's why this is okay and everything's fine yeah like if, if you're if this is your ideal romance like and your ideal romance is either finding someone rich or finding someone with which your wealth is like a massive boon to them yeah then yeah cool but i mean doesn't everyone not every romance movie from hollywood has to be a fucking ideal thing no, that holds no, up no, in the no. 21st yeah. century and this probably doesn't under those ideals it's still a fucking romp with sexy people romp. being very very good at acting and it's funnier than i remembered it being yeah 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 it has fun, some funny bits yeah now would you watch it again do you think i i wouldn't be opposed to watching it again yeah i, I probably wouldn't instinctively pop this on at some point in the future but if it was on i would watch okay and with that uh, being said what are you thinking this is uh, the, the, i'm thinking about star wipe ratings in my this head is this is, now, this is really like, difficult like okay have you any issues with the movie outside of like vague feelings about the, the theme of it or whatever the feelings about the themes are there the kind of moral message is like i'm not 100 percent sure i'm behind it i don't really fully get it but there's great performances, great music. I don't know if this film looks amazing. It looks pretty yeah. standard. I mean, <laughs> but that's I mean, not a prerequisite. Shoulder pads, am I right, guys? I mean, <laughs> I that my star white feeling is that this falls somewhere between three and four. Okay. Do you want to invoke the half measure rule? I thought that was banned, but again. The rules have gone out the window several times over. So no, I, what actually had been pointed out was the rules had already been out the window, so it's yeah. Wild West now as far as we're I concerned. I feel like this is a three-and-a-half-star wipe film in so much as it's it's good. It is good. It is good. Yeah. So, yeah, Final I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I don't know if it's a four. So I'm going to say 3.5, three-and-a-half-star wipes. Final that's answer? My, that's my final answer. Final answer. Yeah. Three and a half star wipes. You heard it here first. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema Swirl. This episode was produced by Kevin. It was edited by me, Sam, and the music was also by me. If you want to support the show directly and get access to our monthly bonus show, Cinema Swirl, patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl is the way to go. If you want to follow us on the socials, we're at CinemaSwirl on Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash CinemaSwirl on Facebook. If you have any questions, queries, comments or other stuff for the mailbag, then please send them on in to CinemaSwirl at gmail.com. That's CinemaSwirl at gmail.com. Please do keep recommending the show to friends or leaving reviews on whichever podcast thing you use. Hey, we're now on Spotify as well, if that's your preference. You can head over to Spotify and search for CinemaSwirl. Alright, see you next time. Bye.